new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. This is Sean Ram uh, alongside Dr. Joshua Black. And here we are doing the second part of our 2020 Grief Dreams recap episode. I hope you listened to the first one, had a chance to listen to it, enjoy it. And here's the second part, which starts off from episode 165. That's right, Sean. 165 is where we begin in this, uh, this recap episode. And here we have Flora Baker, who is a travel writer and author. And so she talks about here the death of her parents and the dream she had afterwards, where the theme is, which is very interesting that you, we hear a lot about, is where they notice a person is in the dream, but it's been a mistake and that they're actually alive still. The dreams that I do have about them, they're never dead. I've never had those dreams where I'm watching them die or the knowledge that they have died. It's always to do with them being alive and having been a mistake and me having to readjust to the concept that they didn't actually die. But I've spent the last however long getting used to the fact that they died, but actually that's all misunderstanding. And actually I have to kind of readjust my thinking and it's more kind of a stress and a struggle that's on me rather than a situational thing that's happened thank you flora for coming on the podcast and sharing time with us next we have with us dr tj ray and she appears on episode 166 she is a professor of religious studies and author and she shares a couple dreams uh, she had of her brother it was just, it's been the seminal event of my life. You know, there's not a day that goes by when I don't miss him and think about him. And because I was closest to him and my siblings, I thought, well, I'm going to have dreams about him, you know. And everybody was having dreams about him but me. <laughs> and uh, that's when I realized there's actually a competitive nature within families. Uh, that, that's one of the dynamics when we're talking about grief dreams. Um, so they were dreaming about him, and I was, I was finding myself getting jealous. I, this is ridiculous. My sister's grieving too. Why am I feeling this way? And it took probably, I'd say, six months before I finally had a dream about him. The, the first one was very frustrating. It was, uh, I classified the dreams into four different areas, message dreams, visitation dreams, reassurance dreams, and trauma dreams. And there are more classifications, but just for ease, um, that's the classifications that I, I used in my book. But anyway, this would have been, I, I thought of it as a trauma dream. And um, it's, it's a fairly common dream, so you've probably heard of something along, not exactly, but along these lines. But I, I dreamt I was in a car park, you know, parking garage. And uh, I got out of my car and I could see ahead of me I could see my brother walking ahead of me and he had his coat on and I've known him all my life. I know how he walks and, you know, and I knew it was him. And I stood there for a minute and I said, oh my God. And I started to run after him and I called his name and he kind of half glanced over his shoulder and I could see his profile, but not his face. And then he was kind of hurrying up and I started running and crying after him and saying, stop, come back, stop, stop. And then he started to run for me. And by that time, I was hysterical and I woke up. So, it's, you know, when I ask people about their dreams, I always say, how did you feel when you woke up? Well, after that, I, I was traumatized when I woke up. I was so upset. And it took a while to have any more dreams about him. 
I I just want to like mention one thing. So everyone's having dreams of him. And when you have your dream, he's running away from you, right? Like he's running away what that me. would, yeah, what that would do to you. I oh, can't understand. Yeah. I couldn't fathom. It, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. And I had been feeling, uh, since his death, the call to write this book and I kept dismissing it. I'm like, I'm not going to write about this. I don't have it in me right now, you know, but I do feel like he was part of that, which is a separate story. So a, a few months later, um, I dreamt that I was having people to my house, and they were in my dining room, which is not very big. But I had a dining room table with about, and there were no chairs, just all the food was set up on it. People were standing around, whatever. And there's a mirror, though, in my dining room. And I was setting something out on the table, and I looked up in the mirror, and I could see him in the mirror. And he was behind me, and he, so he was looking forward. I looked up, I saw him in the mirror, and I turned around, of course in the dream, turned around, and he wasn't there. And then I turned back around and looked in the mirror, and he was in the mirror, and he nodded and he smiled, and then he held up his his glass to me, and then I woke up. And so that, that was very comforting. It sounds a little strange, and other people said, oh, that would have been upsetting, turn around and have him not there, but he was there in the way he could be there, you know? So those are the two, like, those are probably the most pivotal dreams that I had, the ones that I remembered. And, and the mirror dream when I woke up, I was like, oh, he is, he is listening. He does hear me, you know, talking to him at night. He knows how much I miss him, you know. And so that, that, that did offer me some comfort. Uh, another dream I had was uh, we used to love, he and I were the only kids who liked, it's called Swedish Fish. It's a candy. And they're little red, chewy, like gummy bear kind of candies. And you usually had to go to a candy shop to get them. And so I had a dream that we had a little white bag with Swedish fish in them. And we were leaning against his car, eating them out of the bag. I don't know what we were talking about, but we were laughing. And my brother and I together were very, very funny. So I always feel like I lost my sidekick, you know. Um, but... We were always making jokes and faces, and we would use weird accents when we were out to talk to each other, and ugly, strange names to call each other in stores, just stupid things that siblings do. And so I don't know what we were laughing at, but we were laughing hysterically while we were eating these Swedish fish, and that's all the dream was. So I considered that uh, you know, a reassurance dream as well, because it was very comforting. So. Um, I mean, there were more, but those are the ones that I, I remember most and meant the most to me. And after all these years, I still remember. I can see it as if it was yesterday, you know. Hey, thank you, Dr. TJ Ray, for coming on. That was actually a very interesting podcast in general. I learned a lot about the Bible and dreams in that. So um, check that one out if you guys want to know more about that. Next, we have episode 167 with Julie Rennie, who is also my mother. So uh, this was a very interesting episode for me, and it's really nice to sort of have this uh, as a memento. You know, when my mom does die one time in the future, to be able to have this still and be able to look back on it. And there's a lot of information I learned from my mom, and it's just good to have that conversation. So in this clip, we talk about um, her dream she wants to have of her grandmother. Uh, I think probably from what I've already said earlier, um, I would like to meet up with with my granny 
Yes, go go boots. Truly, my granny in Toronto. I'd love to, you know, just thank her um, for getting me going and getting me started and having me try to achieve things. That sounds great. And what kind of what would the scenery be? Would it be in her house in Toronto? Would it be somewhere else by a waterfall? What are you What are you thinking? I still remember her home in Toronto. Um, it was a three story. And she was on the main floor, and she rented the two levels. So she was a really smart woman, um, and was able to, on her own, accumulate assets. You know, which I'm, which is pretty special back at that time, to have been able to do that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet her in her living room or in her home, that home in Toronto. This has been amazing. I think for me, I think very enriching as well um, to hear more about from you, Julie, and learn about your life, and also to learn about Joshua's life, essentially. And I think you have you've shown a lot of courage in a lot of moments, and especially what you've been through in your life, but also the great accomplishments. Because you know, being a woman, especially during that time, and going to school and wanting to be educated and wanting to you know further your education, um, that shouldn't be taken too lightly. Uh, because we have lived in a relatively uh, patriarchal society, and then also what you, the challenges you faced with your health conditions, can't be understated uh, in terms of the severity and um, just being able to obviously have the courage and, and mindset to want to fix yourself and also have the faith in uh, God that He's there with you. Thank you, Julie, for coming on the podcast and sharing with us. And just want to say hi, Julie, because I know you're listening. And we'll talk about this later. Um, so next we have with us Lindsay Whistle Fenton. And she appears on episode 168. And so she is a TV producer. And she ended up um, sharing with us a documentary that she made called Speaking Grief. And in this clip, she talks about an experience she had with one of the people she interviewed about grief dreams. It came up sort of indirectly in a conversation with a woman whose mother had died. And she said that that was actually something people would say to her a lot in an attempt to offer comfort, I think, is they would say, oh, your mom came to me in a dream or I saw your mom in a dream. Um, and I, I gathered that this happened to her several times, but it had the opposite effect because she would sort of come back with like, well, she didn't come to me. Why'd she, you know, why'd she come visit you and not visit me? Um, which I think I would probably have the same reaction. So I thought that was interesting because that was actually probably the first time I had really thought about dreams and grief and articulated that those were grief dreams. Thank you, Lindsay, for coming on the podcast and sharing. And update, in the episode, she didn't have a grief dream, but since then, she has had one. So that's kind of interesting. They do come. Just take some time sometimes. All right, next, we have episode 169, Baron Stefan, who is an author. And he talks about a dream he has of his wife after she died. A year and a half after she died, I'm somewhere with my band, Baron's Big Band, and I've asked Shauna to come along. And when she arrives at the door, I yell, it's wifey, and I go and hug her. And as we hug, I start to just sob. And I'm in the sobbing is just a realization of the depth of my sadness and need for her. And she says, of course. And what she meant by that, of course, is of course you feel this. Of course you need me here now. I'm here, baby. In September of 2018, I had a dream with Shauna. And I say to her, we're sitting in a room, I say, I've asked for your help so many times since your death. 
So this often happens, right? Where we talk to the person, even though they're alive in the dream, we refer to them as being dead. It's to me that I've had this happen a number of times. So I say to her, I've asked for your help so many times since your death to help me stick with the process and not being focused too much on my goals. Thank you, Baron, for coming on the podcast and sharing with us your life story and the dreams uh, that you had. Next, we have with us Jason Wendroff, Ron Nicky, and he appeared on episode 170, and he is a yoga educator and essential oil specialist. He talks about a dream of his sister. Check it out. Yes, I I would have to categorize it into two different kinds of dreams. One of them being the more traditional, yes, I've dreamed of my sister and us hanging out, and uh, she was a dart player, so us playing darts. Like, so that very traditional, yes, I definitely have had, it hasn't been in a while, but I definitely had those very traditional kinds of dreams. That is not a traditional dream. We have never had a dart player (laughs) dream. So please share more about your sister playing darts. Oh, she was a vicious dart player. Uh, She was part of a whole league. She, I went over there one time and I remember like, we played darts together and I know she let me win because there's no, like I don't play darts and she just, she just let me win. So she was a very avid competitive dart player. And so, you know, I've had a dream where we were, we would play darts together, but it was a very, that one felt like there was a narrative to it. There, there was uh, me in the experience of the bar, of the dartboard, of me throwing the thing. Uh, throwing the dart. Thank you, Jason, for coming on the podcast. Next, we have with us from episode 171, Patricia DiPicciotto. And she's had a very eclectic life, uh, moving from many different countries, ended up in New York City doing art tours. And yeah, she had a some grief dreams of her mother during the Jewish funeral process of Shiva. Check it out. And then during Shiva, um, what happened for my mom passed on a Friday night. So Friday, Saturday, I don't remember dreaming about her. But the entire week from Sunday to Sunday, I had dreams every single night. And every single night, there were different scenarios of her dying. So either she was, you know, dying and I was, in the hospital cafeteria and they were calling me to go upstairs or you know i was having a burger at burger king near the hospital and they called me to say your mother had passed so every night i had those different scenarios of her you know dying and seeing her the way she was at the end so sick very skinny uh, no hair uh, really you know dying and on the seventh day that Sunday morning, it's a week after her funeral, I dream of her and she was standing by her hospital bed and she was wearing the hospital gown, but she had hair. She was skinny, but not, you know, thick skinny. She was normal. Her appearance was normal. She was not wearing makeup, but she had some hair. She looked good. And I looked at her and I'm like, what are you doing? You cannot be, you know, standing by your you know, by yourself, like, do you need help? Do you need to go somewhere? And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm not in pain anymore. I'm totally fine. And I woke up. And for me, that was, you know, her telling me that she had crossed because for the first time after a week, I was finally dreaming of her 
you know, not sick. I mean, she was still in the hospital, but her appearance was normal. And she had hair and she was standing up, which she wasn't able to do in the last, you know, two, three months before, before dying. And she was just telling me that she was fine now, that she was not in pain anymore and that she was in peace. And this is when I really started, you know, believing in those dreams because I imagined that for the first week of the Shiva, when I was dreaming of her dying, that was just the trauma of being with her in her last moment. And that this dream might happen over and over again because seeing her last breath was very traumatic. Although I wanted to stay and I wanted to be with her, it's still an image that, you know, will stay with you for the rest of your life. But after that day, I never saw my mother speak again in a dream, never. And I've been dreaming of her so much. Thank you, Patricia, for coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Next, we have from episode 172, Shelby for Scythia, and she is an author, podcaster, and certified grief recovery specialist. And in this clip, she talks about adding grief dreams to her new book. Check it out. Let's actually talk about your you putting grief dreams into your book. I think that's fascinating. This is one of my favorite parts because I think we mentioned this before we hopped on the mic, but so many people talk about grief dreams and wonder if they're normal. And every time I see something like that, whether it's online or if I'm working with a client, I'm like, you've got to look up grief dreams because it's the one place that I've found on the internet that describes them, that asks people to share them in a group, that studies them, that writes research about them. Like it's it's so comprehensive and so helpful and validating because people think I'm crazy. There's something wrong with me or I'm tormented by this or I want to have more of them. That's where that's the camp that I sit in is I want to have more grief dreams. But I felt as like I need to include this in the book because this is an experience of grief that just about everybody has, but nobody talks about. We're not, it's, it's very frustrating to see and acknowledge because in um, Native American culture, something that's been, uh, quarantined, ostracized, and oppressed here, especially in the United States, like dreams were very important. And what people dreamed would determine oftentimes the actions that they would take in waking life, or the decisions that they would make, or the relationships that they would or would not enter into, or the rituals that they needed to perform. And I mean, this goes beyond Native American culture, surely, but um, it's sad that westernized society especially white supremacist culture has squashed that and and wiped it out and so to recultivate or reintroduce the the holiness and the sacredness of having a grief dream is really powerful and so i'm enormously grateful for the fact that that yours and and josh's platform exists at all when i met josh for the first time i was like holy cow this is so cool Um, I've never heard of this and yet I'm so excited it exists. And in something that you all do, there's a reclamation of this very ancient practice of paying attention to what we dream and who we dream about and how. And so the entry for October 8th says, just about everyone who grieves has a dream of their loved one at one time or another. These dreams take all forms from soft, lighthearted visitations to vivid panic-inducing flashbacks to bizarre, silly happenstances. If you would like to see your loved one more often in your dreams, try writing your dreams down in a journal for 30 days. The moment you wake up, set a timer for 10 minutes and record everything from your dream that you remember. Doing so triggers your brain to recognize that you are paying attention to your dreams, and gradually your brain will learn to provide you with more focus and recall in the morning. 
If you can't remember your dream or know you didn't dream, uh, simply write, I didn't have a dream last night and wait to have a dream the next time you sleep. You can find out more about grief dreams and listen to the grief dreams of others at griefdreams.ca. And I think this is just so powerful for people to be able to access. And I actually taught myself how to remember my dreams. After my mom died, I went through, I read this very feminist empowering book called Red Moon. But one of the exercises in the book was to record your dreams for 30 days. And this was before I started doing grief work, before I knew about grief dreams, like pre, pre everything. (laughs) Um, And I found that by recording my dreams for 30 days, my recall was so high. And so at the beginning, I was like, I don't remember what I dreamed, or I think I caught a snippet of a hot air balloon or something like that. But by the end of 30 days, I had some sequence or some themes or some messages. And I've had very powerful dreams in my life that have, you know, prompted me to quit jobs that were toxic for me or start conversations with people that I hadn't talked to in six or seven years, just because I dreamed of them or process and move through the death of my mother and continue to, this is something, um, she continues to show up in dreams. She hasn't in a while in my life that I can distinctly remember, but in the ways that she has, I mean, I still remember the dreams I've had of her so far because they were that powerful. And because I taught myself to recall those dreams and there's this ache in grieving people sometimes to see them again, to hold them again, to touch them again. And I can't guarantee how your dream's going to turn out. I can't guarantee it's not going to be a nightmare in the book. Like that's not a a promise I'll give you because I still have those of my mother's death also. But dreams sometimes are are the closest we can get. And so this yearning to have grief dreams even if we haven't said it out loud, I think is really present. Thank you, Shelby, for coming on the podcast again and incorporating grief dreams in your book. Really appreciate that. You're raising awareness on your own. And so next is episode 173, Dr. Kimberly Moscato. And so she is a psychologist and she had a dream of a celebrity, which is really interesting. And so this dream was of Anthony Bourdain. Oh, well, I've had had dreams with uh, the deceased for a long, long time. Yeah, maybe close to a couple decades at least. And they've been with different, various individuals. They've been with people who are more like acquaintances, strangers, and mostly relatives, which I love those dreams because I, I, um, you know, came from a really large family where I had known some of my relatives that were great, great, great aunts. Some had lived to be 101. So you my, you know, great grandmother. So it was, it's so great. You know, many of my grandma's cousins. So it was so great when they would come back in dreams because they were highly nurturing, um, amazing women in my physical life, you know, as a child. And then to have them come back in dreams uh, was, is, is, I'll say, because it continues to happen. I even had one this month in August. And, and, um, it's really, really touching. Highly, I highly value it. And I try to let them know because I have a, a shrine to them set up in my home. And if maybe, for example, they give me a red rose in a dream, I may then go place a red rose on the shrine in this physical, you know, this waking state. And so, yeah, I've, I've had dreams with, oh, well, I'll tell you. One, well, it was a, a couple dreams I had. Um, this was with a stranger, was uh, with Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> that was the weirdest. I'm reading his book of right now. I had. Oh, okay. And I was surprised because, yeah, I thought his parts unknown, um, 
you know, series was pretty awesome. And I respected him for how he really humanized all cultures. You know, I really, so I had, you know, respect for him, but I didn't read his books. I wasn't a follower. I'm not into the, all the, you know, cooking stuff. So it it was surprising when I started dreaming uh, with him and I had my first dream with Anthony Bourdain shortly after he died. And I asked him, I, I made reference. I was lucid in it and, and made reference to his death. And so that, that was really interesting. Um, had one later. Uh, well, hold cannot, on, hold I'm on. still trying to understand it today. Well, oh, well, so hold on. So what happened? What did he say in the back? <laughs> What's going on? You yeah. can't skip over this <laughs> <No>. stuff. Oh, <laughs> okay. Lucy okay, gloss well, over the juicy <laughs> bits. <laughs> this was pretty cool, actually. Um, so the ones with, I'll just say, the ones with family and acquaintances are sweet, you know, but the ones with the strangers that I did not expect were pretty powerful for me. I just was like, what is going on when I woke up? So <laughs> I'm still to this day scratching my head about these. So that first one, um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was the first one. I, I have to look in my dream journal to be 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it was the first one where I'm in some type of building and he's on a stage, I think talking about one of his books or something. And I think I try to buy one. I mean, the dream starts off kind of weird before I get more lucidity. But then I go to the back of where of this of this building where he is and people are leaving. It's like he had just given a book talk or something. I don't know. And I sit down and order a pizza. And so he 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 ends up at my table. I don't remember if I asked him or if he just walked up. That part I don't recall without looking at my notes. But uh, we end up at the same table, and I think, how do I start a conversation with this guy? And and um, I I offer him some pizza. So we're eating pizza together, and I say, surely you've had better pizza than this <laughs> because of who he is, right? And then I start talking to him about my experiences in Italy when I lived there and uh, traveling through Napoli or, or Naples and the pizza there. So we're having this conversation about about pizza. And then I shift and go, hmm, you know, it's really, it's really a shame what happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him pretty direct in the eyes now. And he gets a, a very sad look and looks, looks down. Um, had I known we were going to talk about this, I would have had the dream out so I could read it to you exactly. But uh, I, I still re- recall it pretty well because I'm still mystified by that dream and the ones that followed so, um, yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. I woke up with a sense that, I mean, he, like, I don't know. It's like I woke up with a sense like he was disappointed in himself. He didn't necessarily want to die. I don't really understand around, you know, the, the, the circumstances of his death. Because, again, I wasn't really following this guy. I just watched some of his Parts Unknown series. I didn't, I didn't follow it. But... But I did know enough to when I heard about his death that I said, oh, that, you know, that's really sad. You know, that, that guy was pretty awesome and then had this dream soon after. Thank you, Kimberly, for coming on the podcast and sharing your dream with us. Next, we have episode 174. That's Gregor Collins, and he's an author and actor. And it's a very interesting episode because he talked about his relationship and caregiving for Maria Altman, who is pretty famous and there was actually a movie based on her called Woman in Gold in 2015. And so what happens is uh, he was able to take care of her until the end of her life. 
and then he had this dream of her. Check it out. I, I mean, I feel like Maria is such a part of me that I don't, I don't really dream about her often because I feel like I, I almost, you know, it's like, you know, our three years. I feel like I wasn't. I don't regret. I didn't. I didn't need more time with her, even though I would have loved it. It's not like you know, those three years felt so complete to me. And um, but once in a while, I have a dream about her where, when whenever I dream about her, it's always like me kind of like anticipating like I know that she's waiting out somewhere like out outside of a building or something and I'm I'm like oh I got I got to get out of this building because I know Maria's there and I want to reunite with her and hug her and so like all my dreams with her are um are like when I see her and we hug and it's almost we look at each other like she's like wow look at what you've done these last few years and and talking about me and it's so cool and I look at her and I'm like, oh, wow, I, it's so cool. Like, I, I've been talking about you and I still talk about you. Isn't that so cool? And we would just like hug and embrace. So it's always, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I wish I dreamed about her more, to be honest. Those are some amazing dreams. And so it's a very similar theme each time you dream of her? Yeah, it's very similar. We always like look at each other with, with such reverence for each other and just... Um, and just have, and it's just that feeling of like, oh, Maria's here and you get to talk to her. And it's just, yeah, it's a real celebratory feeling. Um, so it's never, it's never, I mean, because her life was that, like, it's never grieving and it's never sad and it's never, it's always filled with joy. And I think that's because how, that's how she lived her life. And she never looked at her past or the Holocaust or anything as, as a grieving experience. It was more like that was a terrible thing, but, but, you know we're here and we're alive and you're you know you, you know you're i'm so happy to have you and all this stuff and so there was never time for any grieving in her life and i i love too like the aspect of the dream of the acknowledgement of what you're doing you know like you're celebrating mm. what you're doing in in her name right. and that's sort of like really the book right like saying yes to the to the world with her being a part of you and i think you know like because you don't see that in like every dream, right? So that's why I'm like, I look at that. It's so unique because not everyone speaks mm. on their grief or gets an opportunity to speak about their loss and how and who the person was. You know, I'm lucky. I get to have a podcast. I get to talk to my dad every now and then. And when I do talks on grief dreams, I always bring them up. And like, that's such a privilege. But most people don't get an opportunity to do that. And so it's nice mm. how like you have those dreams. I never had one dream of my dad saying, good talk and you know like, <laughs> or, you know, like anything like that you know like and so it's that's so unique for you and and that relationship to sort of have that and to have that moment i'm curious is she younger in the dream like maybe in her 20s <laughs> no but 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 you would know she's she's always how i left her in her 90s but but i would love and that's what i wrote like i wrote the script the film script to, to my book I, I also turned my book into a play in new york but like i wrote the film script too and I, I was exploring that notion of how when I met her in the, in the film, it would flash, flash back to like, as if we had just met during, as we're escaping the Holocaust. And, and it was like a young Gregor and a young Maria. And, but, but in the present, we didn't know that we had that past and all this like, like love across continents and time. And, but, um, but I kind of, I, I kind of think about like, well, wouldn't I once in a while have a dream that I met the young Maria? Like you would think, but I haven't. Maybe I will tonight. <laughs> I imagine that. That'd be so exciting. Oh, it'd be so yeah. hear that. If, if you I do, if you... I do, I'm 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 really gonna I'm really gonna um I'm really gonna make an attempt to do that tonight and I, and, and if you get a call from me tomorrow it'll be to tell you that I have it. 
Thank you, Gregor, for coming on and sharing your story. Next, we have from episode 175, Tamsin Granger, and she is a shiatsu expert, and she shares some uh, dreams she had after miscarriage. The recurring dreams that I've had, which I th- which since I miscarried, are about neglecting the babies or the baby. So in the dream, I'm always... I'm somewhere other than the baby and I realized that I left the baby on its own or that I didn't feed it or that I didn't, um, that I locked it in somewhere by mistake or there's always a, there's a whole variety of different scenarios. So I, I think that because of that, the dream I would like to have would be in some way that something happened in the dream which reassured me that I did everything I could that it wasn't that I it wasn't my neglect or my you know something that I did wrong that uh, that caused the babies to die I think that's probably probably the dream that I would like to have thank you Tamsin for sharing with us uh, next we have with us from episode 176 Sherry Dunleavy she's an author and a podcaster and she talks about uh, not having uh, a dream that her husband actually ended up having a grief dream. Check it out. Have you or your um, your husband had a uh, dream of your son after he died? My husband has. I have not. And at the very beginning, that bothered me tremendously. I mean, it it really bothered me. And I just kept thinking that my son loved my husband more than he loved me. You know, I mean, that's where I thought, why would he come to him and not me? And then my husband, it was just, I'm tearing up a little bit, but I said, I still, you know, feel that way. And he said, Sherry, maybe he came to me because he knew I needed it more. Mm, That's beautiful. And then I thought, well, I did hold him, you know, with me and inside of me for nine months. I can give you one night in a dream, (laughs) you know, but I talked about it and I verbalized it, but my husband grieved differently. So maybe that was what he needed to help him in his journey to move forward and heal. Thank you, Sherry, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. Really appreciate it. Hopefully you can have that dream of your son soon. Next, we have episode 177 with Matthew Bochy. And he is an author, and this is actually a very emotional podcast for me because not only did he talk about uh, having his father die when he was a child in 9-11, but also sexual abuse while he was trying to grieve. So it's a very powerful episode, but also showed his willingness to make it through some very difficult times and how he was able to cope with that. Instead of the abuse like being like, wow, like you know, my life just turned upside down right then and there, which it certainly did, I was then... Like I, I, I had the answers to the questions that everyone was basically telling me no to, you know, he was saying your dad jumped. So now I was like, okay, now I know that's the truth. And it's not just like something that I'm kind of thinking could be true. It's, it's, it's a factual, it, it's a factual answer. Like this is the answer. So then instead of it, like preventing me from, you know, kind of giving up on that search, it just, like I said, sort of like reignited that flame. And, and it was like a catalyst for me to keep going forward with it. You know, as the years went on, I really struggled with it more and more. And some of the stuff that I, 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 I viewed, I had a lot of nightmares because of some of that stuff. And I can, I can go into that too. But, uh, you know, I started, you know, because of the nightmares and just I, I, was, I had a lot of anxiety. And I started using drugs and, and alcohol as, as a way to cope. Um, you know, it started off pretty recreational. I was just drinking and smoking pot on the weekends. 
But as I got older and I went to college, I, I gravitated towards uh, harder drugs and, and pills, opiates, cocaine. And so, um, you know, I, I really use drugs, especially drugs, but drugs and alcohol as a way to forget all the things that I had seen. And, and also just to like try to shut my mind off because, you know, even in my dreams and my sleep, I was still affected by all the things that I witnessed and all the things that I went through too. Yeah, I think it'd be good to talk about the dreams because it was a, you know, I wouldn't doubt it'd be a cause of increased suffering and then a reason why to go towards sort of um, alcohol and drugs, to hopefully maybe even stop those in a way. So yeah, what kind of dreams were you having? They were all 9-11, in the beginning, they were all 9-11 related. And there was pretty much three recurring ones. The first one was like, basically, I'm in the North Tower on the 105th floor with my dad. And I'm just witnessing all the commotion around me and, and just like, you know, the people going crazy in this and there's smoke. And, and my dad and I both jump out the window together. Another dream, I'm viewing my dad jump and I can't do anything to help him. And then in another dream, I'm basically doing that myself. And so I would pretty much wake up each time before I would hit the ground. And, and so, um, that I know was probably pretty easily, you know, correlated with what I was looking at, um, on, on a daily basis. And like, literally, like I said, like I was looking at just like every single thing you could imagine, but I was looking at what views from inside the world trade center. I mean, I had been there many times, but views inside the world trade center and what they looked like, like what it looked like looking down. And so like, I think subconsciously, a lot of this stuff was, um, was because of what I was looking at. And then as, uh, as time got older or time went on and I got older, I, you know, it had been years since the abuse had happened, but then I started having dreams of, uh, of abuse from that individual that didn't happen. It was, it was, uh, it was more graphic. It was more, uh, detailed and, um, I'd wake up in a panic, you know, and, and then, and, uh, and like, I, I wouldn't be able to, to be able to stop it. And, uh, you know, and, and another dream actually I had was, um, I would, uh, I'd be on the, the lot in the, in the lobby because I had, I had seen this documentary. It was these two French, French individuals, these brothers who were following these fi- firefighters and they were filming a documentary for these firefighters. And so they actually are the ones who have the only footage of the North tower, the plane hitting the North tower. But as they're in the lobby of the North tower, what you hear over and over and over again is the sound of people jumping and hitting the ground. And it's so, so loud. And that's another one of the dreams I would have is like, I'm like basically looking up and I'm seeing, and I'm watching all of this, but I can't do anything obviously to help these people. So a lot of it, you know, I think the, the brain and the mind is so powerful and it had to do with what I was engrossing myself with, you know, just things that I was constantly viewing um, that it was like, I could like play out these documentaries. I could play out these videos and like, know like the movements of these people as they're coming to the ground. Like I had, this stuff was like ingrained in my mind. Thank you, Matthew, for coming on the podcast. Next we have from episode 178, Holly Barker. She is the founder of Grief Anonymous and she shares a dream she had of her grandmother. Check it out. Well, the other dream that I had, uh, had to do with my grandmother. My grandmother and I had a very, very, very strong relationship uh, for all of my life and both a supportive from my side to her and her to me all the way through. At the end of her life, uh, she 
developed a brain cancer uh, from lung cancer and uh, it was kind of a long journey for her and things went downhill for her really fast and after she died a month or two after she died and this was during the time as well that Jordan was having going through his cancer I had a dream about her I dreamt that I was in her home and it was almost like a scene out of um, the, the 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 Wizard of Oz where the house gets lifted up in the cyclone well her house was like in a cyclone like similar to the Wizard of Oz and there was wind blowing all around the house and all of the windows were open and the front door was flying open and she was in the house and I was trying to help her and it was a very dark it, I could see in the dream but it was just the it was just an ominous dream and I was trying to help her but it was almost like I was in her own mind or something I don't know and I it again it startled me and woke me up and I there was no resolution from it it just seemed like she was in a in, not in a good place yeah that's really interesting and it does seem as if you're watching something rather than like it's it's a part of you in a way um, but like how you said, you're trying to help, but it was just like so much storms. And so what was your relationship like with her? Because that may have an understanding on why you're dreaming like that. Well, my grandmother, towards the end of, well, this wasn't, I don't think this was directly related to her cancer and her illness, but my grandmother also suffered from mental illness. And so there was a lot of strife in our family and she was sort of in the middle of it. And I had a young son at the time. I was living out of town, so I, I was removed from the drama that was going on in the middle of the, the the situation. And so, our the ending of her life and the the last years of her life were a little bit of estranged. And it was really unfortunate that it was like that. But I think, you know, during the time that she was going through all this. I was also going through a lot of my own things with, with, with Jordan's cancer and everything that was going on with him. And so I, it was, there was a disconnect in our relationship at the time of her death. I don't have any kind of negative feelings like regret or remorse or any of those feelings because I know the relationship from the time I was an, an infant to before all of this happened was a very strong, strong relationship. And I just I reflect back to those years, but there, there, it, she did die. When she did die, we did have kind of an estrangement and a detachment from each other at that time. So I was wondering if that had something to do with it as well. Yeah, you would, because you know, just looking at the imagery, you could definitely see you didn't have resentment because you wanted to help, right? So there's that love and compassion that's inside you. But it seems you could say like her mind was her own enemy. And I, yeah, I, say, I saw that with my dad, honestly, too, with his drinking and how he approached life. He didn't really like, he couldn't cope properly. And because of that, his mind um, was just full of anger and distrust. And so it really limited it on the relationships he could have. And I would say the same thing with, you know, probably her, she was going through a lot within herself. And it's almost like a window into her mind just for you to see the, what she was dealing with, you know, like how, mm -hmm. how crazy the ego can get but they're not doing it on purpose. If you really look inside, you can see that there's really a lack of control out of their emotions. And it's just like, I said, like a storm as you're going through, you're watching the storm go through this house. And it seemed like that's maybe what happened with her in, in those moments where you can just reflect on that dream and just have compassion for the pain she was in. Like she didn't want that relationship to end or to, to not be what it was. 
she was going through so much pain that's all that came out from her mouth or came out through her behavior and so it's just like having this compassion for where people are at in their own mind and a lot of times we just mm -hmm. don't see it um, or they don't really articulate what they're going through and the struggles they're going through they'll project their anger or their frustrations outward but really it's an inward battle yeah well there you go that's you you just nailed it right there you know and it's so you know that's there's so much involved like i can just this this just makes me reflect back to a lot of the posts and the communication that i've seen over the years in grief anonymous groups about how um you know a lot there's just this stereotype of the person dies and you grieve their loss and you think about all the beautiful things and da 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 well there's a lot of people out there who don't get to follow along in that emotional timeline after grief because they are still processing verbal abuse estrangement uh family dispute so many things happen to people on the other side of loss that people don't talk about and so a lot of the sleep disturbances probably do come from the conflict and the fallout from grief and we often we, we often talk about this that the loss of that person in your life is 50% of the trauma the other half is the fallout afterwards of dealing with it all and dealing because so many people don't know how to process their own grief they they lean on to others who are only trying or so overwhelmed with their own grief that they can't hardly even help themselves much less help other people and everybody it's almost like people get thrown in a swimming pool together and nobody knows how to swim and everybody's just trying to survive and save themselves or save others and that's when people think and I can see how the the dreams and the and the sleep get disturbed from all of these experiences grief is very messy it's it's not uh, for a lot of people it's not just a clean and tidy you know experience like the movies make it out to be sometimes Thank you, Holly, for sharing. Next, we have on our podcast in episode 179, Allison Gilbert, and she's a journalist and author. And she talks about dreams of her parents. Well, this is what's so sad and what I really need your advice about. So I know I've had dreams about my mom. Again, she died when I was 25. And I know I've had dreams about my father and he died when I was 31, and I am much older than 31 now, and I know I've dreamt about my parents, but here's the issue that I need your help with. So I have the feelings that the dreams left me with, the feelings of feeling warm and loved and cared for, and that tenderness, and I almost feel the heat of that affection, you know, that real sense of heat where you feel another one's presence. But I don't remember long after the dreams are over what we were actually doing in the dream or where I saw them in the dream. So they're much more, when I wake up, they're very visceral and they almost feel tangible but within moments I feel like they evaporate and what I'm left with are the kind of residual um, good feeling. Thank you Allison for coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Next we have from episode 180 
Fox, who is a Canadian artist and songwriter, and she shares her dreams that she's had of her grandmother. My grandma, I think, is the one that I've dreamt the most about since her death. I think I've had one dream with my friend in it, the one who died in running the marathon. But usually it's just been like really regular interactions with them. And a lot of the times I'll, I'll notice in the dream, like I figure it out halfway through that I'm having a dream about my grandma, let's say, and we're just like having a nice experience. Like we're cooking in her kitchen. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a dream. And I know that you're like dead in real life. And I, I, I feel the sense of urgency of like, I don't want this to end and I miss you. And I want this to keep going and I want to spend time with you. But a lot of the times it's just like us doing stuff that I miss that we used to do together. I have dreams of us cooking together a lot because I really liked her baking um, and a lot of the recipes that she used to make I miss. But I, I almost always have this moment during dream, like maybe halfway through where we'll be like making a recipe together and everything seems nice and normal. And then I have this realization that I'm in a dream that I'm dreaming about my grandma, that she's gone in real life, and I feel this like huge sense of urgency of wanting to cling to that feeling and make the dream last. And, I, and then I want to like tell her that I love her. That feeling always comes up too, for sure. But yeah, I always find it so interesting that I, that I notice. Thank you, Fox, for coming on. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Next, we have episode 181, Dr. Leslie Ellis, and she's a psychotherapist and author. And on this clip, she talks about her ambiguous loss of her cat. And so here's a dream that she had during that time. I don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared one day. And I like to think that maybe someone picked him up because he was so beautiful and so friendly. But I, I really don't know. And so it was kind of a, a, a difficult because I kept looking for him. And I was dreaming about him almost every night when he disappeared. And in my dream, because he always used to sleep just in the crook of my knee, just I would reach down with my hand and he would always be there. And so in my dreams, he was there and he almost felt re like I could stroke him. I could feel his fur and it was extra silky, like more silky than in, in real life. And uh, it, I dreamt about him. So it's like he kept coming back to me for, for, for weeks and weeks and he would come gradually less often and become he was less silky and shiny over time and then started to just kind of fade away but those dreams really helped me uh just to just to feel his presence thank you dr ellis for coming on the podcast uh next we have from episode 182 bailey rainwater who is a nashville-based singer and songwriter and she just talks about her experience with grief dreams check it out i had um dreams of my uh grandpa roy when I was younger. I don't remember the specifics of them. I just remember that I had them. Um, I think with time, and I, I talked to some friends about this, knowing that I was going to talk to you all about dreams, about different kinds of dr grief dreams that they have had, uh, with some of them being comforting and stuff. It would be, I, I wish, I've, I've journaled my whole life. I wish that I had written down some of these childhood thoughts that I had on grief and dreams because I would be really interested to know what they were, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. There's, there's a lot that we forget over time and, you know, especially within childhood. And so I'm curious and what, what uh, dreams have people sort of shared to you or, or talked to you about? 
I have had some friends saying that they've had dreams of their their grandmothers um, talking to them, telling them that they're okay. I had a uh, another friend tell me um, her dad died of COVID earlier this year, and that she's had dreams of him getting out of the hospital and telling her that he's fine, he beat it, he's all good. So things like that. My mom said she had dreams about her dad, but over the years, I guess they've kind of tapered off. So yeah, those are some of the things that people have reached out and and told me about. All right, that's a wrap on 2020 Grief Dream recap episode. Episode does, because there's two, two parters. And yeah, I enjoy doing these every year to recap and refresh my my memory of some of the amazing guests uh, that we've had on and it's yeah it's been uh, pretty fun i can't wait for our 2021 guests coming up next in uh, the next interviews and stuff that we have planned so uh, thank you for listening to this and if you want go back check out those episodes if it connects with you if not stay tuned for some future episodes with some new guests Perfect. Yeah. Great time to wrap it up. So please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Um, If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you could do so through the show notes or uh, go on the website griefdreams.ca where you can also find um, some learning materials, some training material uh, from Dr. Black and you can check that out. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, we like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.